Hey guys, it's Gary Vaynerchuk, and this is the Gary V Audio Experience. I'm going to uh, yap a little bit, but I've really come to a place where the biggest reason I started the Ask Gary V Show was as how many people here have seen one of my keynotes? Hold on, hold on, hold on. How many people here have seen one of my full keynotes uh, on YouTube? Raise your hand. Right, so as you can imagine, I'm sure there's people in this room that don't know who I am and I'll give you a little context, but I think that we can get a lot more value in actually going into the actual details because when you give a keynote like this or when I put out my vlog or all the different things that I do, I'm trying to talk about the thesis, right? I don't know about your individual thing. Uh, Where I really make my hay and, and what I think has made me successful outside of being a speaker or a personality, and I think a lot of people here, it seems like a lot of you know who I am, I often say that Gary Vee is my side hustle. You know, the thing that I'm most proud of is there was no books, there were no keynotes, there was no me the way you guys know me for the first 13 years of my career. I actually built an actual business that wasn't predicated on extracting dollars out of a fan base. It was a retail store selling stuff. Even today, at the height of my career, at the height of my popularity, all my income really comes from selling to Fortune 100 companies, which is not the makeup of the people that tend to watch or consume every little piece of my content, so I'm selling to a world that is not predicated on my personal brand. So I I think that whole world and those things actually get into the part of Q&A. For the people that most follow me, they heard me say something for the first time that I ever said it uh, during uh, a Daily V the other day, which is I feel like I'm a CAT scan of business. It's really interesting to me, much like many of you can do certain things very quickly, like I would equate it to you, if you're a great cook, you can open a refrigerator, look at it, scan it, find things and then cook and create a meal. I couldn't do that on my best day. Um, you know, But I can absolutely hear a question about a business, reverse engineer it and start figuring out how to make it more profitable or more successful. That's what's been in me my whole life and that's why I really do want to get into Q&A. So before we get into that, let me talk about the thing that a lot of you already know, which is I'm obsessed with attention. I think that no matter what anybody does in this room, whether they're trying to build their personal brand, running a software company, trying to sell t-shirts, the one thing that I'm comfortable in talking about in a room like this is attention because regardless of what you're trying to sell or if you're trying to raise money for a nonprofit or help a family that's house burnt down or whatever you aspire to do from our, my biggest clients like Toyota and Chase and Budweiser to somebody who yesterday decided they're gonna try an entrepreneurial venture and they want people following them for their fitness advice, the one thing we all trade on here is attention. It's why, it's why this has become the big mantra for me. I day trade attention and build businesses. The reason I put day trade is I've come to realize how unbelievably fast the world I care about is in actuality. Let me explain in a very finite detail. If I stood here nine months ago today, I would go on a rant about Snapchat 
and Facebook and tell you somewhere during that rant that I was concerned about Instagram because I felt that practitioners didn't realize how young Facebook was. And by the way, I'll say it again in here, if you're trying to sell to 25, 26, 27 year olds in the world, there is still, including Instagram, there is still no place like Facebook because of its ad product. So that's much younger than people think. And then Snapchat, nine months ago today, was much older than people thought. I was watching and seeing the conversions of 30, 35 year olds at scale and growing by the day. Every single day, hundreds of thousands of 35 to 40 year olds getting on the platform, which would play out the same way that I watched Facebook play out in 2010, 11, 12, when a lot of you remember you'd never be on it, but then you eventually went on it. So nine months ago today, I would have stood here and said, Instagram's in trouble. It's getting squeezed from both ends. I stand here today to tell you that there's no platform more important than Instagram. That it pivoted, it copied, or whatever you want to call it, pretty much all Snapchat's features. Um, A lot of people in this room that hadn't started on Snapchat were like, well, I don't need it. I'll just stay on Instagram. A lot of you who are trying to build brands and personal brands and things of that nature weren't getting the same audience size on Snapchat that you were getting on Instagram, so your feelings felt better that you got more views on the stories on Instagram than you did on Snapchat, so you jumped off of Snapchat and thought you only needed one, and what that meant was the trade on attention shifted and the deal became even more extreme on Instagram. So the thing that I'm always scared of is how many people in this room will read a book or a blog post or even watch one of my videos from three months ago, from six months ago, and then from two years ago, and four years ago. The thesis, the clouds, as I call them, always gonna be the same. The dirt, the details. I promise you, the single biggest reason that I have the luxury of standing up here, and many of you don't, is that I'm a much better practitioner than you are. People like to talk in thesis. There's a lot of people in here that have theories about Facebook ads or Snapchat filters or influencer marketing or Google AdWords or email marketing or website execution or VR. You have thesis, you've read, you've watched my stuff, you've got ideas, opinions, yet you've never executed in it. And to me, that is the punchline. That is why I love Q&A, because I'll give you the actual answer in detail. It's about the practitionership. These sing- you know, I've never really gone down this path. DRock's gonna be excited, because I'm gonna go in a different place right now. I keep the Gary Vee thing that the majority of people are here for, not only because it makes my ego feel good, and it does. <laughs> I keep it because it forces me to be the best practitioner in the craft. I continue to build my brand more than any other reason, and there's a lot of vanity that comes with it, there's a lot of financial aspects that come along with it, but I want everybody to know, and again, my behavior has proven this, because I did it before this happened. The single biggest reason I continue to build my personal brand is it forces me every single day to use Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Tumblr, it forces me. And then I become the plumber, not just the architect. And there's way too many architects in here, and there's way too many plumbers in here, and there's not enough of people that are both. And all the action, all the upside, all the growth in building big businesses comes from being able to do both. And so 
that's very much on my mind. Another thing that is massively on my mind is when is the majority of the people in this room gonna stop being motivated by watching my stuff, stop reading books, stop watching documentaries, stop hiring more services, coaches, people, all which are disguises for you not to actually do the work. I'm curious when that's gonna happen because that has been fascinating to me. I think the thing that I am most proud of and that I spend a ton of time on and you guys have heard it from me and I don't know if you think I'm doing it because I think it's funny. I love when people stop watching me. I like when people hit me up and go, Gary Vee, now I'm not watching you anymore and then I go to their Instagram account three weeks later because you guys know I'm weird and I do that kind of stuff (laughs) and then they're just watching somebody else. I'm like, no, 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 you missed the point. You know, the point is doing is the only option. Doing is the only option. It's the only way to win. Work ethic is the main thing that everybody in this room controls. You're not gonna control your talent. You're not gonna control your charisma. You're not gonna control your looks. You're really not. I mean, the fact of the matter is, you, you, know, you can make all those things a little bit better, but you're gonna only max them out. It's the work ethic A that makes them all a little bit better. It is the most controllable aspect of your life and your career and it's the thing that most people don't wanna do. As a lot of you know, have been following me a long time, three years ago I decided to take care of my health and I've gotten those benefits. Like it wasn't easy, I didn't wanna do it. I didn't do it for 35 years of my life. I came up with every excuse of why. I'm busier than I've ever been and I do it more than I've ever done before. So the excuses are the excuses and we all have them in different parts of our lives. The fact of the matter is building a meaningful business, something that you can live your life on, no matter what your means are, even call it $100,000 of profit in a year to allow you to live a really great life if you, know, if you don't let yourself dream of like trillions of dollars, even that is difficult. Because if it wasn't, the math would play out differently. There's a reason that the math of the, the top 1% of earners in the entire country and taking all the billionaires, you're talking about $400,000 a year. That's a lot of money. Yet, nobody even starts a conversation of success lower than a million dollars. Yet 400,000, data, math, 400,000 is the bottom of the top 1% of earners in this country. You know, even if we just change the conversation to I wanna make $400,000 a year, it would change your behavior because so many people in their goals to achieve these great big businesses become impatient, are looking for shortcuts, and want it to happen quickly, which means, and I know this, which means you just start doing stuff that you don't feel good about. The biggest thing I want you to leave with more than anything is do you feel good about how you make your money? That is something that I'm very passionate about. You know, whether in corporate America, whether you're a salesman for a SaaS technology that you don't believe in, whether you're selling a program that you're just selling because it's good for you and not for them, whatever the hell you're up to, if I can have you leave with anything, here are basically the core pillars before I get into Q&A. So you have a mic, right? Who's got mics? How many do we, do we have anybody on the others? Great. So before I get into Q&A, and I'm going in earlier than I expected based on how many hands, The core pillars are, if you're not trading attention, if you are not putting out content where people actually are, you lose. You're basically quiet. Like if you are not successful at putting out written words, 
pictures, videos, or audio. Four things. If you are not capable for what you're trying to achieve and why you're here today, to write something, to put a picture that shows something, to audio it in podcast form or some other form, or a video on the seven to 10 platforms that live on this device, you are 100% irrelevant in 2017. That is, that is something you have to wrap your head around. If you are not communicating, and by the way, not as a personal brand, right? Like you can be Toyota, you can be an energy drink, you can be a sneaker, or you can be you, but if that, those, either one of those two things is not producing one of those four core things in one of these 10 websites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, LinkedIn, um, you know, podcast form, Medium, or, uh, as, or a blog form, if you're not doing that, you're silent to the world because I don't know where you think the attention of the consumer actually is. It only lives in this device. Sure, it's on television. Sure, it's in magazine and things of that nature. But those places are overpriced, and you can't afford to have a TV show. You don't have a TV show, right? You're not on a nationally syndicated radio. Ryan Seacrest and Howard Stern have that. Yet everybody in this room, for free, has bigger audience on ten websites or apps on this device, and they don't realize it. And what they get hurt by is the supply and demand issue. The problem is, as great as what I just said is, that you have bigger reach capability than those characters, the problem is everybody in this room has that same reach capability. Everybody in this state, everybody in this country. So now you get into supply and demand. I love, I can't wait for one of you to ask, hey Gary, but I produce great content, but nobody's listening. Uh, That's my favorite. Gary, I'm making great stuff and everybody's following all these crap heads. My stuff is great, why is it not working? Because your stuff is crap. (laughs) You think it's great. Your mama said it was great. But the market didn't. Amen. Amen is right, my friend. The market is the market is the market. It's always right. You don't like that people watch the Kardashians? Tough shit. The market spoke. Right? You don't like that I watch grown men run into each other for four hours a day on Sundays in the fall and winter? Tough. The market spoke. Right? You can't decide. The second you start dwelling that the market is wrong is the quickest tell that you're a loser. It's the quickest tell. So, what is really imperative in this room is to figure out how you bring value in today's modern world What products and services can you deploy? And where is the attention? What are you actually offering? Are you commoditized? And really to be very frank, given the makeup of the room, do you actually even give a crap about your customer and what you're trying to achieve? Or is it just solely about what you're trying to achieve? Because I promise you, I did some homework on people tweeting about this event. I wasn't super pumped about the work I was doing. When I really audited some of the people that were coming to this event using this hashtag yesterday, and I looked at what they do and how they do it, you don't give a rat's ass about anybody but what you're trying to achieve and sell. And it's so quick and easy for me to taste it, it took me about five seconds. And so that's something you need to think about. Because the second you deploy selfish behavior is the second that you're losing other people's attention. I understand that you want stuff to be automated and hit one button and send an email to 100,000 people and lots of people buy. I understand that's why it's good for you. I also understand that when that's happening to you, you delete that email before you even start reading it. 
I understand that you wanna make a Facebook ad that sells your thing, that you want them to watch the two minute video and buy your thing, but I also know that every time you see that in your Facebook stream, you do this. Let me tell you the quickest way to become very successful at selling something. To become very empathetic very quickly. Empathy, my friends, is the secret drug of sales. I always, always, only care about what you're thinking. You know why you guys like me? Because I'm empathetic. You know why you guys like me? Because I'm bringing you way more value than I'm asking for you in return. You guys know why you like me? Because I look different than people that look like me because I'm not asking, I'm giving. And so when I say to you, don't listen to what I'm saying, watch what I'm doing, that's what I mean in a macro. And then in a micro, there's a reason I put 15 hashtags on every post on Instagram. There's a reason I ask you to swipe up and draw on top of an Instagram story. There's a reason I have call to actions at the end of a YouTube video. There's a reason I reply to so many of you in the comments. Watch those things. I can say anything I want, my behavior trumps it all. If you don't see me going hardcore on Snapchat glasses or VR, that means I don't believe in it at this second, but I'm watching it, right? I'm doing nothing. Let me promise you one thing. I'm doing nothing by accident. There's nothing I do for kicks and giggles. It's all strategic, it's all for me to collect data, it's all for me to make decisions on. So, what I'm asking you to do is pay closer attention to what I'm doing and replicate that behavior for your audience because you know it works because it's working on you. The problem is nobody wants to put in the work and the patience that that takes. I understand why you don't want to do it. It sucks. Sucks. I'm running a $150 million holding company business with a media company, PureWow, and VaynerMedia Agency. I have no time. Yet, me, who works 18 hours a day, and I've proven that to you over the last year and a half with Daily V, me, who works 18 hours a day, who travels 500 times a year, who does all that stuff, is engaging with his community more than every single person in this room. You're so fancy you don't have time to reply to the three people that left you a comment on your Instagram post? I mean, seriously. Everybody loves to talk about loving their community and you care about your customer. Really? Because the 12 people I audited last night, by the way, at midnight in my hotel room before this talk so I could bring you value, when I looked at you and I looked at your stuff, you're really good at throwing your right hooks and getting people into your products and services, but you actually replied to zero people collectively in the comments of those posts because you actually don't give a shit and smart winners can smell it. And I promise you, let me give you a really bad business, selling to losers. Thank you. All right, let's, let's get into Q&A. I mean, I'll jump in and keep yapping, but hands are going up, so good. Let's get right into it. Whoever wants to go. You, you guys take control. I'll try to answer every single one of them. My question is, so I built a business from zero to five million in the last two years. Amazing. And dealing with the next piece, and I know you're a dictator on culture, like that yes. honey empire. How many people are you actually managing, and how do you scale that, even from now, from 700 to like 3,000, because I know you're dealing with that. How do you have that all the way down to 701? You don't. What you do is you make 
in my company of 750, I try to make 650 people know that my door is open and it is. So when number 419 emails Tyler, that five minutes is being scheduled within three to six weeks. Get scheduled right away, they know it's there. It might be three to six weeks because every second's scheduled but they know it's there. And then as you go up to that top 100, the inner 2030 is everything. Anybody that, let me tell you the biggest mistake whether you're, you know, I know my, my father-in-law Peter Klein has a friend here in different, like whether you've worked in big companies or you've got a small company, the quickest, biggest mistake that people make is they don't have the 20 to 30 people that directly impact their business. The top, let's just call it top 1%. Don't even call it 20 or 30. If your right-hand person isn't 100% aligned with you on everything, you are vulnerable. I fire the inner 20, top 20 or 30 pretty often if they waver from me because I'm vulnerable to them not executing my vision. So how many people do you have? Right, 25, so those top five or seven, number four, she might be so important to you. She may do the thing that you don't know how to do or don't like to do, which is always important. A CFO, I don't wanna do the finances, right? I just did an episode with my CFO if you saw it, right? I don't like, right, I don't like to do that. I'm not a CFO driven guy. I don't make my money by cutting costs, I make my money by selling, that has always been my career. I don't like to do that but I've always had the person, the person has to be in place. My last CFO, some of you have been following me for a while, we used to call him CF Bro, right? Scott Haight, I love him, right? He's in the Namely commercials right now. I haven't stopped those because I have love for him, but it got to a point where he wasn't executing exactly how I needed and he couldn't be there anymore. Your number four may be your number one salesperson, but you know, you know, she's undermining certain things that you believe in, she's gotta go. And most people don't make that move. They value the money over the culture. They value the money over the thesis. They value the short-term money over the long-term money. So, and then by the way, you just put in the work. You can't read about doing push-ups. So, you just need to allocate the time. And the other thing is, you need to face the things that you don't wanna face. Like, I know my shortcomings. I don't like them. But every time I'm with my direct people, my leaders, I expose myself to them so that they know I know them. Because that builds trust. Got it? And Sid, that's the only way. Yep. My question is, what are the biggest mistakes you see young entrepreneurs make when starting their own company or, you know, app? You know, to generalize, Sergey, the, the biggest mistakes are number one, especially in the tech world we live in now, they're not actually building businesses. They wanna raise money. Like, let me just remind everybody, how many people here have raised money for their business? Raise your hands, right? Big thing for you guys, like, it doesn't take a hero to lose money each month. <laughs> everybody can do that. So, biggest thing, Sergey, is I have a lot of, and I'm involved in a lot of these business, they raise money, they're losing money each month. They're not actually building a business, they're building a financial arbitrage machine. They're trying to hit metrics to get to the next round of funding. Huge mistake, especially if the macroeconomic climate collapses, which eight, nine years in, and you guys have been hearing it from me, right? So I brought, I brought Tony on, Robbins on the show to talk about Wall Street, and that more so than the thing that you would think that me and him would talk about, because I want to get this in your mind. It can't last forever. That's number one. Number two, kids are impatient. 
Everybody's impatient, kids are triple impatient because you wanna, you're in that part of your life where you wanna prove everybody wrong, right? You're in that place where you're gonna show dad that you're right and he's wrong. You're gonna show your friends that you're special. Uh, everybody, you know, there's that video from the other day that I put as a separate piece of content today, that call I had. How many people saw the Ask Gary Vee where I talked to Taylor for like 20 minutes? Raise your hands. The reactions on this video are so insane. I'm sure you watched it. That's what, that's what young entrepreneurs are making a mistake of. She's got nothing going on at 22 and she's telling me she's gonna be a millionaire at 25. How? You know, like, you guys make up dumb shit. <laughs> you know? So, impatience and lack of actually building a profitable business. Lack of practicality, lack of experience. I, you've heard me say, many of you heard me say, I built my dad's business from three to 60 million. It should have been 200 million because I figured out AdWords before anybody else but I didn't put all my money into AdWords because I was doing direct mail and radio and television because I didn't have the experience to know that when you've got the best hand, you put all your money on it. I thought I had to do everything. Now that I know that at 41, I am putting all my money into Facebook and Instagram influencers because that's the best hand and I'll milk that and when it changes, I'll adjust but I'm not gonna hedge which is why I've been so loud. If you got, again, for the OGs in this room, some people have really known me, I was very quiet in 2011, 12. You can't find a lot of 11. If you guys look, there's not a lot of 10, 11, 12, 13 content because I didn't have the best hand I was building VaynerMedia, I was building a foundation, I was being practical. It's when I knew I had the best hand and had marketing figured out again with Facebook and Instagram that I've gotten louder, the daily V, Cool. Yes? Uh, the big buzzword kind of now is passion. Like passion. find your passion. You might sure. be sitting at a desk job but you need to sure. go find your passion. Okay. Uh, when I look at my career, your career, the way it's actually presented is you have one passion. What I'm thinking is, I saw your passion with wine. Yes. Now I see your passion with VaynerMedia and your yes. brand. Is it possible we have more than one passion? Of course. It comes down to something inside of us. I also, I, also think, I also think, my man, that you have to ladder it up. My passion is to communicate complicated things in average Joe talk. That's why I won in wine. Wine's complicated, right? How many people know somebody that's really into wine? Raise your hands. Great, so 80% of you know that once somebody learns a lot about wine, they become a straight douchebag. <laughs> right, like that's, like that's what happens. So me being Jersey and being into wrestling and sports, I'm like, you know what, I know the most about wine, the most. I know as much as the top 10,000 people about wine are in that mix. Let me talk to people about wine the way we talk about everything else. Let's not put wine on a pedestal. Now what I do really well for whatever reason, I have figured out somewhere around that time when I started Wine Library TV, the way I communicate, and I truly believe what I'm about to say, because I don't think I was very well educated, and I've always lived in my own bubble, I think I say the same stuff that has always been said, I just think I say it a different way, because I don't know the other way that it's actually said like everybody else says it. And I think that for some reason, that helps people because it's just a different way and I think, I also think that people feel that I actually mean it, so I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, my passion is to communicate the things I most believe in, whether that's the good values in wine or the business opportunities of the day. But yes, of course we're passionate about it. I mean, I could start a Jets show, I could start a root beer show when I'm off my diet. Like, you know, I could talk about a lot of stuff that I'm passionate about. I don't think you need to be crippled to your one passion. And we evolve. 
What you're passionate about at 24 is different than what you're passionate about at 33, and it's different what you're passionate about at 57. Plus, life brings things. I promise you, if one of the four or five most important people in my life pass away from a rare disease, I'm gonna be passionate about figuring out that disease. Yeah, cool. Let's do it. How do you determine when to, um, what's it called, monetize an audience? Yeah. Like I've grown my Instagram for the past year from like zero to 70,000 followers-ish. Never Around what subject matter? Um, it's pet niche. Oh, about what? On pets. Pets? Yeah. Cool. So it's grown, give out content, free content. I've gotten some DMs, people wanna have like, a shout out, stuff. right? Exactly. So I'm trying to decide, should I just grow it and do my own product and just shout out my own stuff or go the influencer route? And when do I determine to monetize or just keep growing, just giving free content? So, I so I think this is what's great about Q&A. Mm-hmm. Hold the mic. Can you, can you afford to continue to not monetize? I could. Because? Because I just yep. go to school and I, I'm just... You don't need a lot of money. I don't, not You keep all. it... It's like skip. humble. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think you hold your breath as long as possible because you build as much. You build more equity. Mm-hmm. You know, the second you go in for the ask is the second that you're giving away the leverage. When you're giving, you're gaining leverage. That's why I have so much leverage with you. When I'm giving, I build, 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 build up leverage. I hate when I come out with a book every two or three years and I'm like, can you guys buy books? I'm like, <laughs> I hate it. I have a goal, I have to do something, but I hate that month or two. And then people are like, Gary Vee, you've changed. I'm like, shit, this shit again? You know, like, <laughs> like you know, I hate that month. Mm-hmm. You're, the biggest problem, a man, that a lot of people here that are not kids make is when they start getting into a little bit of money, they start spending it on dumb shit, which then forces them to have to make more, which means then they get into short-term behavior and they continue to take leverage and give it to the other person, which makes them a sleazy salesperson one way or the other over time, and yeah. then they, they lose. So I would say wait as long as possible. You know, If you were 34 years old and lived with four roommates in the basement of somebody's home in in the suburbs of of Salt Lake City, I'd be pumped with you because that means you're holding your breath. Dude, I was was 29 years old and lived in a $2,000 a month rent apartment in New Jersey, which by the way, Jersey rents are different than here, right? So, so, and, and like, had nothing, had like a, a car, Jeep, rang, a Jeep Cherokee, uh, and had built a business from three at that point to 40 million in revenue and was paying myself $49,000 a year. I don't give you advice that I didn't take. Like all these 23 year olds on Instagram like who wanna buy watches and go on private jets, like when I make fun of that, it's not because I'm jealous. It's not because I, I, I want to rag on somebody or compete, because it's fucking stupid. <laughs> like, like, like do, do you understand? Do you understand what you could do with that $5,000? You could reinvest it into your business. The reason Wine Library grew so fast, why do you think VaynerMedia is growing so fast? And I was like, why is VaynerMedia growing so fast? It's because I reinvest in the business. It's because I put the money into the business. Like everybody wants to build a business. You know how many people here want to build a business or a personal brand so they can buy stuff with it? Like 
you know, that thing I said the other day on the vlog, right? Like, I don't wanna buy a private jet like everybody tells me to do when they see that I'm wasting an hour on an extra commercial flight because I wanna buy the New York Jets. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. And so, all, all this behavior, my man, is predicated on insecurity. Yeah. You know why 24-year-old dudes buy watches? Because they're not confident and they need that to get a girl. <laughs> like all those dudes that are flashing on social media, I look at them like insecure. Like not real confident. You know, puffed up fake. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's the same old thing. It's, it's the same reason people buy followers on social. Guys, and some of you did it because one of the people I looked at last night that's here with the hashtag bought it. You know how I know? You can't have 800,000 followers on Instagram and get 27 comments <laughs> and 94 likes. <laughs> I ended my talk with it, which is the worst business is to sell to losers and I promise you there's a stunning amount of people here who try to sell to the bottom feeders mm-hmm. and you never trick winners. When people DM me, and they're like, yo, Gary Vee, check me out, I'm killing it, mm-hmm. and they've got 900,000 followers on Instagram, but they don't actually have it, I reply, no you aren't. <laughs> and then their feelings are hurt. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes me feel awesome. <laughs> hold, hold your breath, mm-hmm. keep building for the audience, bring them value. You know what your next Instagram post should be instead of taking 400 bucks for a sponsored ad? Why don't your next Instagram post be, what can I do for you guys to make this account better? and then read all the comments and then act on them. Got it. Got it. So when you look at a social media app or platform, yes. what kind of piques your interest on one, if it's gonna work, and two, if you wanna invest your time and money into it? How many users it has. You've heard me say this, if you've been following my stuff, I'm not Nostradamus, I'm not predicting the next apps, I'm just watching the ones that are already popping. The only thing that piques my interest is reverse engineering the actual market. Again, I don't get to say. If, if all of a sudden, let's tell, talk about what piqued my interest in Snapchat 2012, uh, five, five years ago. Users. It was ranked 130 in the top 150 apps in the world in the app store. That caught my attention. So I downloaded it. And then I said, this thing is confusing, right? <laughs> Then it was 111, then it was 96, then it was 74, then it was in the 40s for a long, long time. That piqued my interest. I don't judge if Twitter is smart or stupid. I don't judge if Snapchat's smart or stupid. I don't judge if Musical.ly is smart or stupid. I judge that people are using it. And then I try to figure out why, and I try to figure out how to story tell on it, contextual to the platform, with the content that is most important to me. The end. Thank you. And, and I have had this illustrious investing career that everybody thinks is so fancy and the truth is, I didn't bet so early. I just bet earlier than you. And that's all you have to be. You just have to be the tallest midget. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I had a question. I have a great family. 
great friends, great surroundings, but I feel like in the culture that I was raised in, I have a lot of limiting be limited beliefs about upside of like yeah, exactly. like keep it humble, chill. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So how do you how do how does someone overcome limited beliefs that are kind of imposed on us by school teachers growing up, surroundings, family, friends, uncles, family, yeah. exactly. Like, I don't by give not a shit giving a shit about thinks. what they think. Yeah, I don't give a shit, but. The, that you do though, because you ask the question. Okay, all right, well, touche. Uh, you know what no, I mean? Yeah, you no. say you don't, but you do, and by the way, we all do. Yeah. Um, but that's the answer. Okay. Like, I, like, you have to understand, like, like, I've lived this, like I've literally somewhere in my early teens and late teens just started looking at my teachers and parents and just saying like, sorry, like you're just not gonna be able to impose your will on me, this is what's up. Like I did that at a very, very young age. There's plenty of 60 year olds right now whose 82 year old mo mother is still suppressing them. I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm just thankful. I'm, I don't think I'm cool. Please know that I'm not saying that because I think I'm cool. I think I was lucky by given the chemicals that I was given DNA wise to have the audacity to do that. I don't know where that came from. It's not like I read a book or trained myself as a 15 year old to be like, okay, I'm not gonna care what anybody thinks. That's not, that's insane. You know, and the other thing is, what's interesting, and you've heard this from me, I'm also pushing from the other direction. I genuinely don't give a crap about what anybody thinks, and I equally think I care about what you all think, which is what makes me the guy that I am. I'm pulling from opposite sides. But the thing that you're worried about, very simply, this is the cliche, and this, I would say this is 98% likely, is you're worried about talking a big game and then failing, and then them all saying, I told you so, you should have kept it humble. Like that, to me, that's the insight. So, so. Keep going. I own a business. Yep. I, I painted all my vehicles hot pink. So I don't care what people think on that. So mine's more of, of, of scale. So I, like, I, I feel like a lot of people don't have confidence in getting from say, five million to 10 million or okay. 10 million to 20 million. Okay. So more along those lines. You're there, looking for that confidence? Yeah. You know, I think, I think the other thing to give real thought to, and this is the tough one, is a lot of times people aren't spending their time with other winners, right? Like I think, what, you know, in the way that you asked the question the first time, I was gonna go here and then I kind of pivoted based on what you said, you might have to move, right? Or you might have to start spending a lot of, so one of the great things, let's say you don't wanna move but you've got this business. What I would tell you back to the same advice that I gave to that young man right there, I would actually give up all your profits to travel a ton every year and go to places where people are bigger winners than you. It feels like you just need to be rubbed off on with other winners. I definitely changed, and I was already a winner when I started spending time with Mark Zuckerberg and Travis and like the people that were gonna go on to change the world. The ambition of the conversation changed. You know, they were on a kick to like build products that were gonna change every single person's lives and they did. Like I was, you know, go Google this, go put Gary Vaynerchuk Uber Business Insider. They wrote the article. I was in the room, in the room. Back to like a, a Hamilton reference. I was in the room uh, when Garrett Camp invented Uber. Literally verbatim, seven people sitting in a room in Paris, him saying, what if, what if you could order a limo with your iPhone? And we're like, not just for rich people. <laughs> I think you need to, it sounds like you need to spend more time with people that will press you up instead of push you down.
and, and, and there's a way to do that without moving to New York City. It's going to these conferences, and I don't mean to be, and this is with all respect, more coaching, motivational to me stuff. I mean, go to like an Elon Musk conference, go to an Apple conference, like stuff that's less about the emotional part of it and more about the black and white part of it. You know? Since I've started following you, we've gone from two employees to 20, sales from 20,000 a month to 200,000 a month. Really appreciate it, love you. And I will be at your funeral if I'm still kicking in 60 years. Thank you, my man. My question is about online influencers. As an iconic influencer like yourself, what's an example of value that someone's brought to you that was significant enough that convinced you to want a joint venture in some uh, shape or form with them? So I've never, as a lot of you I think know, I've never done a sponsorship deal on my content in my career. Going back to 2007 when Wine Library TV was one of the first iconic internet things and bottled water companies were offering me money to put it on my table with the wine. I just haven't gone that route. So the, answer, the direct answer to your question is nothing. I've, you know, and I've been offered, I mean I've been offered you know, $500,000 to wear a pair of sneakers. Like stuff that is like life changing, like game changing, like super fun to brag about and just weird. Um, so I haven't gone there because it's not how I want to monetize. But you know, you'll be pumped about this. You can get to everybody by just asking. Like it's literally just asking. Like you don't know what's gonna drive Mark Cuban or Tim Ferriss or Beyonce, but it's something. You know, it, it's, it's funny you say that because I've heard you talk about a lot of people emailing you asking for $10,000 to start a business and I just published this book called The Business Funding Formula and I could do an Amazon free download for all those people that uh, need to learn how to get money for their business, maybe some 0% lines of credit, uh, that type of thing. Was that a right hook? <laughs> no, no it, was, it was my value because it would be free. Yeah, that, that's not real value, brother. Yeah. That's you pitching your shit in disguise as value. I'm being serious. I, I'm with you. You know, so. That's cool though, by the way, I'm a sure. salesman. That, it sure. doesn't bother me, sure. but I want you to win. 20,000 to 200,000 is very different than 200,000 a month to two million no a month question. or 20 million a month, right? So the big difference between 20,000 and 200,000 a month and two million and 20 million is understanding that wasn't actual value. That's disguised value that's in your best interest. It's like a humble brag. Like I'm working so hard, I'm making 10 trillion a year. That's not, that you know, like, so, so, like, so what's an example though? An example is you, having nothing that values you when you give to somebody. Like you promoting your zero priced book now in front of everybody, that's value to you. So it's the mindset of not, like, not thinking about yourself. It's a mind shift and just knowing that you have the skills that'll come to you regardless. It's a good feeling. And it's really interesting. So I think, you know, I, I, people are like, get my free ebook, it's value to you. No, it's not. It's a gateway drug for you to sell them something else. The fuck's the matter with you? Amen. Right, so it's like that mentality, you know what I mean? Cool. My question is, if you were writing a book and you were self-publishing, how would you distribute it and what would your marketing plan be? Uh, I would, do, you know, you would do it through Amazon, not super hard. Um, it's nice that self-publishing doesn't have as much stigma as it did five or 10 years ago. I mean, five or 10 years ago, at a conference, somebody saying self-publishing, you're like, oh, spam, crap, right? It's, it's now slightly gotten to a better place, which is great. Um, and I would, use, I would use influencers and Facebook ads. I mean, my stuff is like super easy to understand. All I care about is under, when I say day trade attention, everything works. You could run 
a television commercial during the Super Bowl, I just don't think you can afford it, right? You know, like, and so you have to find the things that are underpriced. The underpriced attention right now are Facebook ads and you could target people based on what your subject matter of your book is, based on them being interested in that, based on them being interested in people, based on them being interested in things. And number two, influencers. I would go to Instagram, I would type in hashtags that match your content, and I would see the people that are most often showing up in popular, the top nine posts in Instagram. I would click it, I would look at them, I would try to figure out how to bring them value, and I would DM them and ask them, what brings you value? Like, why would you want to do this? And then that takes a lot of time, 10, 15 hours a day. That's what I would do. If it's something, if it's a topic that's very personal and I feel like it's a very small market, how do you target that really small market? Easier. I know, but I want specifics. No, no, specific, like, okay, what's the subject about? Um, so the book that I'm writing, it's um, about my fears of becoming a mom and then experiencing a miscarriage and yep. then having children. Great, so you run, so if you typed in the word miscarriage, there's a site called Facebook. At the top it has a search engine. If you typed in miscarriage, here's what will happen. You will see hundreds of groups on Facebook. You will see thousands of pages. Have you ever run a Facebook ad? Yes. Good, you go, you make your piece of content. It's a picture of you, it's a picture of the book, it's a five second video of you, it's a five minute video of you, it's a clip from this talk. I don't care what you do, right? You place that, you place that ad, and then you target the people in those groups and in that interest. Using the detail targeting. The end. You know the answer. Like, that's the answer. Niches are better. It's better to sell Pinot Noir from Burgundy than it is to sell wine. It's more narrow and it's easier to get to the actual person. And cheaper. And cheaper, at times, depending on the category, right? And so, that's what I would do. Like, you can go to Instagram and type in miscarriage. The hashtag, let me promise you, there will be hundreds of thousands, if not millions, and then you click the people that posted about it and people are talking about it, and then you find somebody who's equally talking about it on her, she has a radio show on a podcast about it, and then you DM her and say, I'm writing a book about this, you're talking about this. I want exposure for my book. What do you want from me? And she's like, look, I'm just looking for guests, and now you're done. Thank you, I appreciate it. You know what I mean? Those are the details. The thing that makes what I do hard is it takes a lot of time. Like I scale unscalable behavior. It's why corporate America has been so weird with me. Johnson and Johnson's and you know, and Dove and, and Pepsi and Mountain Dew, like these companies struggle with the unscalable nature of my beliefs because they believe in, in, in width, not depth. It's how they've bought media their whole lives. It doesn't change the fact that it's working. And it doesn't change the fact that width is not working anymore because we don't have three television channels that 50% of the country watches the commercials because we didn't have remote controls. Like the world's changed. And by the way, digitally too. I'm sorry that banner ads don't work anymore. I'm sorry that affiliate marketing doesn't work as well on mobile as it did on desktop. I'm sorry. But it's the market. Like Twitter built me. It doesn't work anymore. I'm not sitting in my room crying that Twitter died. I don't give a shit about that blue bird. <laughs> like, sorry that you blew up on, on Snapchat, but now it's declining a little bit, sorry. Like, you know, you can't control the market and where the attention is, but those are the details for you. You got it. You know, one of the most impressive things that you've done, actually, to me, 
is uh, put Travis Kalanick in your Crush It book back in 2008 before anybody knew. Yep. And, um, you know, the talks before you came on have all been about scaling, you know, companies through adding people. Yes. You know, so um, how do you find, you know, how do you find and filter the people that you surround yourself with? Uh, by firing and not being crippled by hiring. So here's the big punchline. I genuinely believe that I have all-time great emotional intelligence. It's actually all I've got. You know, it's how I'm here. Yet, the amount of people that I've let into my circles and the amount of people that I've hired that were losers is stunning to me. Because everybody's good at PRing themselves in the beginning. And so I am now not crippled by trying to pick the perfect employee or you know, I give trust up front. I just generally trust all of you. And then you've gotta to prove to me that you're a shit face. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so, um, and I think know. most people have their mm-hmm. ego wrapped up in that they're so good at hiring or they're so good at picking people that they end up picking nobody and nothing actually ever happens and they never get going. The magic's in firing when you have 20 people, not hiring. Yeah, so specifically, what did you see in, uh, in Travis that you know, made you pick him out of all the cool people? Well, I mean, Travis, you know, and listen, a lot of it, you know, Travis is not very popular right now. He's so aggressive that I like aggressive, you know, and, and, and he, he also was successful before. It's no different than the young man over there who asked me about picking the apps, right? Like the redheaded dude that's looking down at his phone right now, right? Like, you know, that is the same thing. Travis had already successfully sold a peer-to-peer company when all the, you know, all those comp- Napsters and all those worlds, he had a company like that at UCLA and he successfully exited for $60 million when nobody else did, so he had already proven it and he was right about his angel investments and he was smart and he was aggressive. Uh, it was very easy to sniff out. I just know you four months ago and in Welcome. this short time, uh, you make me create my, my app and it's ready to go. Good. My question is, uh, should I launch it like the old school way like uh, Facebook did slowly or look for somebody to help me to take it to next uh, step, next level? You gotta take it slowly. But, uh, Taking somebody to the next step, the app isn't even alive yet. It's ready to go. Uh, yeah, I understand it's ready to go, but the first step is to fucking launch it. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm afraid that somebody with bigger sources take it and give it better view. Like, My man, ideas are not the variable. Execution's the game. I promise no matter what app you have, it's already out there in some shape or form. Everybody thinks that they've got this clever feature or idea that's so different that, uh, you know, Snapchat couldn't stop Facebook from copying their feature. Saeed from Morocco is not stopping anyone. You understand? Okay. Got it. So now you have to accept that and play. Sure. When you're David, you have to figure out how to beat Goliath, not try to find another Goliath that you can sit on the shoulder of. Thank you for everything. Thank you. Uh, my question is, um, is there a difference between asking for permission from other people and taking criticism from your inner circle and applying it to how you deploy in the space? Of course, everything is a fine line, right? That was a really awesome question. I appreciate you asking that and that hasn't been asked of me in that form. Of course. Like, you know how I always say, I don't give a rat's ass about what any of you, I just said it. 20 minutes ago, I don't give a shit what you guys think about me. I genuinely care what every one of you think about me. 
that contradiction, that tightrope, that's where all the magic is. Like, it's all, it's, it's, you know how everybody's trying to figure it out and I've kind of finally formulated it like this? Macro patience, micro speed, right? Because I'm always talking about go fast and then I'm like patience and I'm just like, what do you mean Gary Vee? Like, if you listen to me carefully, I'm confusing because I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth on every issue because that's actually what it is. It's like a bridge. You have to be basically pulling from both ends. And so of course, you know, of course there's a fine line between, you know, being caught up in everybody's feedback, stopping you from doing anything, and taking the feedback and applying it. It's a very fine line. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. To the audio experience, two things. One, make sure you're watching my vlog on YouTube, and two, hit me up on the DM. It's going down on the DM.